it seems that there was a, a little old lady that every morning she would uh, walk out on her front porch and raise her hands and just simply shout, praise the Lord. And then she'd go inside. The next morning, she would come right out and do the same thing. Praise the Lord. And they go inside. But well, one day, an atheist moved in next to her. And he heard her that first morning go out and praise the Lord. And this went on for several days, and he finally got irritated. So as soon as she would go in from praising the Lord, he would come out and say, there is no Lord. And this went on day after day after day. Well, one day the lady came out and she said, praise the Lord. God, <coughs> I'm in need this morning. I, I don't have any more money and I don't have any food left. And I just asked that you would provide. And she went inside the house. The next morning she came out her door and there were two sacks of groceries. And she said, praise the Lord, God, you have provided. In which this atheist ran out from behind the bush. I bought those groceries. The Lord didn't provide. In which the lady just said, praise the Lord, you have provided, and you made the devil pay for them. <laughs> I got that email yesterday when I got there. I thought, boy, that's, that's got to never fit perfectly because... We are today again talking about salvation. There's all types of salvations. Sometimes we need salvation in, in, in the order of food. Sometimes we need saved from a peril or something else. Of course, the salvation that we're talking about yet last week and through this month is the eternal salvation that can only happen through accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior coming to heaven. <coughs> As Lord and Savior. And so today I want us to look at four reasons that I need salvation. I think, again, like I said last week, I, I think we take salvation for granted. We, most of us have it. Probably 95% of this room, maybe more, have salvation. We We've been immersed into Christ. We, 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 we have salvation. But how often do we think about it? How often do we, do we focus on it? How often do we thank God for it? How often do we really make it a part of our daily praise? And so I think from time to time, and I'm kind of piggybacking after, after Tommy left, and we had that great tent revival out here a couple of weekends ago, beautiful weather, and, and it just God just, just provided beautifully weather-wise. And I just think it's, it's important and it's good for us to be reminded of salvation, of how incredible it is. And so I'm going to look at a, a start by looking at a passage that we're very, very familiar with over in Romans chapter 3. <coughs> a passage that I know you have probably read yourself and, and heard quoted or read many, many, many times in your life. A passage that is, is um, well, it's, it's, it's kind of a tough verse to swallow in some ways. <coughs> But it really does show 
right there why we need salvation. But then I want us to look at some other scriptures and, and just help us to realize why we need salvation. And then if you happen to be one that is, that is not accepting Christ, maybe this will help to convict you to come and let Christ be your Savior. Let's pray, and then we're going to look at our, our, our subject text, and then look at some other text as well this morning to help us to realize why we need salvation. Let's pray. Father, you are an awesome God. And you look down at us and you realize that we were sheep without a shepherd. We were lost. We needed someone. We needed a Savior. And you knew as soon as an Adam, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, that the day would come when you would give your son, your one and only son. To be that ultimate sacrifice, to be the supreme sacrifice, to be that sacrificial lamb. To give his life for us. To become the savior of the world. So that all that would come to him could know salvation. Thank you, God. <coughs> Thank you for loving us that much. For God so loved us that you gave your one and only son. Thank you. Speak to us now, Father. Just help us to take your word to heart. I just pray that you would be the message of the messenger and you would just speak to my heart and all of us here. And just let these verses and these words serve as a reminder how blessed we are to have salvation, but also as a reminder as to why we need salvation. So speak to us now. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 3, <coughs> verse 23 is where I want to begin this morning. Short verse. But it speaks volumes. It has my favorite word in it, all. And it simply says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. <coughs> now, we could go to the invitation hymn right now. I won't. <laughs> but we could. Because right there shows that we need a Savior. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's one reason we need salvation. We've sinned. But there are some others, and I want us to look at four reasons this morning. The first one is found over in Galatians chapter 3, verse 22. Be turning over there. We're going to look at two chapters today, two main chapters, Galatians 3 and Romans 6. Galatians 3, verse 22 shows us the first reason that we all need salvation. It is simply the fact that I am a prisoner of sin. Notice what it reads. But the scripture declares 
that the whole world is a prisoner of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. I am a prisoner of sin. Now we need to admit that. Before you came to Christ, all of us before we came to Christ were a prisoner to sin. Now I have visited a lot of people in prisons in my 26 years of ministry. I have no idea how many different times I've been in a prison or a jail to visit different ones. And through those visits, I have, I've learned some things. What does prison take away? One of the first things that everybody I visit shares with me is they miss their freedom. Prison takes away our freedom. But not only our freedom, it takes away our joy. I've yet to meet somebody that says, I love this place so much I don't ever want to get out. I've never heard that. Of the dozens and dozens of people that I have visited in jail, I have yet to hear any of them say to me, I just love it so much, this is just my home, and I just want to stay here. In fact, if I get out, I'm going to do something wrong, so I'll get right back in, because this is just wonderful. I've never heard that. I've never had prison described to me like that, of course. Another thing that they share is their happiness is outside those bars, that cell, their family, their friends, their life. <coughs> it seems that when you've been in prison, everything that you consider good and, and happy and joyful and, and life is taken from you. And sin can do the same. Now, granted, Satan is not going to let you know that when he's tempting you. He's not going to give you the consequences before you sin. If he gives you the consequences before your sin, if you have any sense at all, you'll say, well, I'm not going to do that then. If Satan said, now, I want you to do this, but here's what it's going to cost you. Well, then you're, you're going to say, well, no, I'm not doing that. Go, go, go get some other dummy. I'm not doing that. No, 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 no. He, he makes it all alluring and good looking and everything is wonderful. There are no consequences. Just like you won't die. What does God know? He's been doing it from day one and certainly he continues to do his evil lying. Sin holds us captive. Sin holds us in bondage. And we all know that because we have been held sin's prisoner. We have been imprisoned by sin. It separates us from God. It robs us the freedom and the joy and the happiness that God desires us to have. That God has placed within us to have. That God longs for us to have. And of course, as the great liar that he is, Satan 
wants us to think that sin will give us the freedom. That sin will give us the happiness. That sin will give us the joy. That sin will give us life and all life and into its fullest. The old beer commercial doesn't get any better than this. Well, I bet you do. <laughs> you see, today, Satan has believe, people believing everything under the sun. There's every kind of religion that you can imagine out there. And if there's not, wait a couple of days and, and it'll pop up. I mean, it's amazing. From, from Muslims to Islam, Buddhism, all of these different. In fact, the Muslims are the fastest growing religious group in the world. The fastest growing group in the world right now. And I mean, they're leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else. Way, way ahead. And, and they're just, they are just, wow, they're on a roll. And so all of these things are, are happening around us. And, and God has created every human to worship. He has created every human to worship. Of course, Satan wants us to worship anything and anyone but God. I've been reading through the Old Testament, and, and I'm in Jeremiah right now. I don't, if you want to be encouraged, I don't know that I can recommend Jeremiah. Kind of bleak. The children of Israel have gone so far from God that basically God says, you know what, I'm done. And he walks away. He doesn't do that very often, but he's just fed up. And he says, these people, these stiff-necked people have to learn a lesson. So this has been going on for centuries. This is not anything new. But my point is, Satan is good. He's always been active. He's always been working. He's not going to stop until he is locked into that fiery hell once and for all. If he can pull you down, if he can pull you astray, he's going to do it. And so my question is really very simple. Why be imprisoned? Why do it the liar's way? When the truth says, I have come to set you free. Why all the guilt after the sin when we can live in freedom where there's no guilt? Where we can have joy, where we can have peace, where we can have the, the, all that God desires for us to have in his will. Now, that's not to say we have every day hunky-dory, there's no problems. No. But when the problems come, we say, ah, you know, this little storm has come, but this too shall pass. My God is still God. My God is still on the throne. He's going to see me through this. I'm going to grow in this experience. I'm going to become stronger as a result of this trial, and it's just going to make me better. And so even when the trials come, even when the hard times hit, and they will, <laughs> we can still know that God is on the throne. See, we don't have to be a prisoner of sin. Now, another reason I need salvation, a second reason I need salvation, is because I'm under a curse. Stay right here in Galatians chapter 3. Look up to verse 10. <coughs> And notice what it says. Not only are we a prisoner of sin, 
Another reason we need salvation is because we are under a curse. Look at verse 10. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Now, the Greek meaning and emphasis of this is, is, is kind of interesting. You see, it's not merely the wrath of God, but it's also the alienation of God with the penalty that accrues from this life of, of sin. And if the curse is not removed, then this penalty will accrue for all eternity. In other words, we will be under the eternal curse. Now, the only group I know that is under an eternal curse are the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> I feel sorry for those guys. My poor mom's a Cub fan. I'm a Cardinal fan, but my mom's a Cub fan. And every year the season starts, she says, maybe this year. I said, Mom, are you kidding? I don't know if that curse is true with that goat. Now, you know, you probably heard the story of the guy that brought his goat to the Cubs game every day, and the, the Cubs organization said, no more animals, no more goats allowed. And he said, fine, I'll put my curse on you. And he did. And they haven't won the World Series since. I don't know. It's kind of humorous. But I do know one thing. There's nothing funny about this curse in Galatians 3, right, at all. Nothing funny about it at all. It is as real as I am standing here. <coughs> and if we don't come to Christ, if we don't allow him to deliver us from this curse, this curse of sin, we will be cursed for eternity, eternity, eternity. And so we need to realize how important salvation is. Here is a very real fact. If Jesus is not your Savior, you are eternally cursed. That's just the fact. That's not from me. That is, that is from him. Now, this curse can be taken care of. This curse can be lifted. This, this, this curse, well, let's, let's just look at what a biblical curse is. A curse is a divine judgment that brings the sentence of, 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 of judgment. It brings a sentence of condemnation. I, I like uh, what we read, not only verse 10, but, but verse 13 is interesting. It says, Christ redeemed us. Redeemed means he bought us back. Redeemed is what happens when a slave is set free. He's been redeemed. He's been bought at a price. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Now let me explain this. The curse of the law was the the punishment demanded because no man could keep from violating its demands. But Christ took that curse upon himself as a substitute for us sinners. 
and became a curse for us in his crucifixion. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, as we see right there in verse 13. I, I like what John MacArthur says in, in, in his commentary in Galatians. He says, in ancient Judaism, a criminal who was executed, usually by stoning, was then tied to a post, a, a type of tree, where his body would hang until sunset as a visible representation of rejection by God. It was not that a person became cursed by being hanged on a tree, but that he was hanged on a tree because he was cursed. Jesus did not become a curse because he was crucified, but was crucified because he was cursed in taking the full sin of the world upon himself. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live in righteousness for by his wounds yet we were healed. Wow. Amen. I'm telling you, we are so blessed. We don't have to be under a curse. You don't have to be under a curse of sin. But until you come to Christ, you are. And I'm telling you, you cannot get out of that curse. There is no way out except to come to Christ. There is no way you can come to the Father except through Christ his Son. There is no way you can get through this curse unless you come to Jesus Christ. There's a third reason I need salvation. Why do I need salvation? Well, because not only am I imprisoned to sin, not only am I cursed because of sin, I am a slave to sin. Now, let's turn back over to Romans. Just a few pages back, you'll find Romans. Romans chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 16 to begin with. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. And it very simply tells us that we're slaves to sin before we come to Christ. Notice what it says. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves... You are slaves to the one whom you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. I want you to realize that sin brought to man the inability to do anything but sin. Once sin started, it just kind of escalated. Once sin started, it just kind of kept big, getting bigger and bigger. It's that snowball effect. Once that first little sin by Adam and Eve, it just opened the floodgates for sin to become rampant. And boy, is it ever in our day and age. And has been for centuries. But I do believe with more and more people, it just gets worse and worse. The strength of sin is just as real as its guilt. How many feel guilty after you sin? Go ahead, raise your hand. Yeah, we all do. We, we all know it. We've all, well, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's, it's, 
It's, it's a given. And there is that guilt. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Sin is just as real as that guilt. And no one, no one can free you from that guilt. No one can free you from that slavery to sin except Jesus Christ. You see, a slave is a slave until he is set free or he dies. That's just a given. He is a slave until he is set free or until he dies. And folks, until you come to Christ, you are a slave to sin. And if you die without coming to Christ, you'll never have the freedom that God longed for you to have, that God gave for you to have. You'll never have it. You won't. You just won't. Once you become a slave to sin, you're a slave forever unless you come to Jesus Christ. Now, do you want to be a slave forever? No. Do you want to be under bondage forever? No. Do you want to be imprisoned forever? No. Do you want to be cursed forever? No. Well, then you must come to Jesus Christ. And I realize you're, Steve, you're preaching to the choir. I know who I'm preaching to. But I also know it's great for us to be reminded, even if we've been redeemed, even if we've been bought by the Christ, the blood of Christ, even if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it is still good to realize what Jesus did on the cross for every single one of us. We need to realize how blessed we are. We need to realize how great of a price he paid. We need to realize how horrible our life would be if we had not come to Christ. So there's one other <coughs> answer to this question of why I need salvation. And it's found in the 23rd verse of Romans chapter 6. Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23 are key verses for you to remember in your life. 3.23 and 6.23, both found in Romans. Started with 3.23. Pretty bleak. 6.23 can be kind of bleak too, but there is some hope in this verse. Why do I need salvation? Because I am under sin's death sentence. Notice what it says in Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, i got to break that verse down for a minute. The wages of sin is death. What a horrific employer. Ah! Can you imagine going to work every day and your pay is death? <laughs> work eight hours, ten hours, twelve hours a day, six days a week. Don't even, you know, you might get one day off. And all you're going to get for it is death? Would you take a job with that? <laughs> Here's your death benefits. Oh, we want a job with life benefits. With health insurance and life insurance and all kinds of insurance, not 
Here's your, here's your pay. Here's what it's going to lead to. And this is all you get. I can't imagine anybody taking a job when you would know that that's going to be your pay. And yet that's exactly what sin does. That's all that Satan cares about. That's what Satan's willing to pay. And that's all he's willing to pay. Now he'll lie. He'll tell you he's got all these fringe benefits. He'll tell you he's got a great package deal. He'll tell you you cannot, you cannot, you cannot turn down. This is an opportunity of a lifetime. He is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And church, the sooner we realize that, and the sooner we realize that every time Satan talks to us, he's lying, the sooner we can overcome him, and the sooner we can live the victorious life that Christ wants us to live. So, Satan wants to serve and wants you to serve an eternal sentence with him. But as I keep saying, he is a liar. The truth is not in him. He is an absolute liar. The truth is not in him. I want you to watch this video this morning. It's a pretty good depiction of what Satan is willing to do and what he has to say. I just wanted to start by giving you a little update on what's going on. Now, some of you don't have a clue as to who I am, but there's others of you that know exactly who I am. Now, let's be clear on one thing. I know who you are. I spend as much time as I can with most of you. And here's the part that should make you a little uncomfortable. I spent a lot of time with your children. And thanks to some of you, they don't even know what to look out for. I'm sure there's times I, I kind of wish I did the whole horns, pitchfork, and red cape thing, but you know, that would make it too easy for you guys. You see, the great thing for me is that I don't look like anything. I can look like just about everything. I don't have to be here. Some of the best work I do with you people is up here. Now, some of you are thinking, I'm successful, I live a good life, my family's happy, you don't have me. Well, guess what? I can take you down in more ways than you understand. I have one goal, and that's to keep you away from God. And if I can make you miserable in the process, well, all this for me. And for those of you that don't understand the problem that I have with our Creator, read the book. It's all in there. I'll be thinking all the places you've seen me in the past week. TV, newspaper, radio, movies, the internet. <laughs> the internet, wow. Wow, I love that place. Do you know that I have over 420 million pages of porn on that thing? And it does almost $5 billion in revenue a year and growing. Thanks in part to many of you. Let me let you in on a little secret. And I don't mind either. You know why I don't mind? Because most of you will forget everything that was said in this service by the time you walk up those back doors. Are you ready for this? All you have to do is choose to avoid me. You want to know the best thing God ever did for me? Was to give you the ability to choose. You see, you can't not choose. 
Here's the greatest thing about it. By not choosing him, you automatically choose me. As some of you have figured out how to keep me away. And quite frankly, there's no mystery to it. James 4, 7. Resist the devil and he will flee. But most of you choose to allow me free reign into your life. You know, there's that word again. Choose. I had drugs, porn, infidelity, greed, lust, pride, slander, and the list goes on and on and on. But the one thing I do not have is the ability to offer you freedom. You know, to see Jesus suffer on that cross was one of the greatest moments of my life. Then when he was with me, the burning and the torture that he felt was at my hands. And I loved it. I loved every second of his torture. But you know what I couldn't stop thinking of? I couldn't stop thinking about why he was there. During that time, I could only think of one thing. That when his torment was over, it meant that all of humanity, every one of you, would have the chance for an eternal life of peace. And all you would have to do is simply choose. I know how this is going to end. I know what's in store for me. I will be condemned to an eternal hell, but until that day, I will do everything in my power to unleash that hell on this earth. And as God, as my witness, if you even allow me the smallest corner of your life, I will not stop until I destroy you. And until you cry for mercy in Christ's sake, I will not let you go. When the service is over, I will be waiting. I'll be waiting for some of you at work, at school, or at home. You know, I'll even see some of you in the car outside. Just remember, it's either me or him. Who do you choose? The old devil's right in that regard. He finally spoke a little bit of truth. It's either Christ or him. And the one thing that he said that just boggles my mind is if we don't choose Jesus, we automatically choose him. Every time you don't choose Christ, you automatically choose Him. It's not like you have a choice there. You have two choices. Christ, Satan. Two names. One of those names you're going to live on. One of those names is going to be your authority. Oh, Steve, stop it. No, it's the truth. It's the truth. As painful as that is for me to say, it's also true. So why do we need salvation? I think we know why. By the way, Satan's much uglier than that. His voice is much worse than that. And hell is beyond description wicked and horrible it's going to be. So if you're in the praise team, if you're back in the booth, if you're sitting over here, if you're sitting over back there, if you're sitting up here, wherever you are, 
You have a choice to make today. You're either going to choose Christ, and if you've already chosen Christ, if he is Lord and Savior, great. But, but just let this serve as a reminder to continue to choose him, to, to not give in to Satan's temptations. To not give in to, to his little, little ways of, of getting to you. Let this, let this whole message just, just serve as a, as a, a, a way to, to overcome. To be reminded of how horrible it would be if you didn't have Christ. And thank God you do have Christ. And let this be a, a motivation to continue to live for Christ. But if you do not have Jesus Christ. I don't know what to do to implore you. To, to almost beg you. To make Jesus Savior. Because we don't know about tomorrow. Every day we hear of, of, of young people getting killed. In fact, we, we, before service, we were talking, we saw a bunch of deer run through the yard, and we were talking about freak accidents and different things. And I was sharing with one of the, the praise team members that a high school classmate of mine, a good friend of mine, who went on to college, I graduated from Murfreesboro High School in Murfreesboro, Illinois. And, Seven miles away was Carbondale, where Southern Illinois University is. And this friend of mine was, was brilliant. I mean, I, I could see him as the next Einstein. Brilliant, brilliant guy. I mean, he just straight A's everything. But he was very, very poor. His family was very, very poor. And the only way he could get to school was on his little moped. And he left very early because on a little moped that didn't go very fast, it took him a long time to get even that seven miles. One particular fall morning, his freshman year, it was extremely foggy. But Jerry went out, just like he always would do, on his moped. And what he didn't realize that up in the road, right in the road planted, was a, a horse that had gotten out. And evidently because of the foggy, very, very thick fog, this horse was was scared and just, just wouldn't move. It was just standing in the road. And he couldn't see the horse, and the horse couldn't see him. And he hit that horse, and the impact broke his neck, and he died right there. A freshman in college. While I was at Johnson Bible College, two of my classmates, one was killed by a drunk driver going to church on a Sunday night. Another studying for a final in the library. She just got finished. She had one more final. She was finished studying, and she and some of her friends came out. Probably one of the most beautiful, well, definitely one of the most beautiful girls on the campus, both inside and out. Just goofing off like college kids do. She jumped on the back of a guy's car, and he took off, not real fast, but took off. And she fell, just kind of flipped weird and landed on her head and her head hit the pavement of the road right there at the front of the library she died we never know I don't want to scare anybody but I just want us to realize how important today is is everybody breathing okay good I was hoping somebody, somebody ready to go oh, we quick 911 quick 
Yeah, we're all breathing, of course. So today, as the scripture so beautifully says, today is the day of salvation, or at least it can be. Nowhere does the scripture, nowhere from Genesis to Revelation, nowhere is there a guarantee of tomorrow. <coughs> That's one thing scripture doesn't do. It does not guarantee a tomorrow outside of Jesus Christ. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to get up and go to school tomorrow. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to get up and go to work tomorrow. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to get up and, and go about tomorrow's activities. We don't know. But we do know about right here, right now. So I just want to encourage you. Let's, let's go ahead and stand. And I just want to encourage you, if you just need one of two things. If you need Christ as your Savior, if He is not your Savior, then come right up here. And let's take care of that this morning. The greatest gift you will ever receive in your whole life will be giving your life to Christ. Secondly, maybe you just need to recommit your life, rededicate your life. Maybe you've been convicted and you just want to say, Lord, Yes, I, I'm saved, but I just want to make sure that I live for you day by day. And I just want to reconnect. I want to, I want to rededicate my life. What an encouragement that will be for all of us. So if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart this morning, if you know that you need Christ as Savior, if you know that He is not where He needs to be in your heart, then you need to be right here, making things right with Him.